Hello everyone, this is Yuza Rauf and this is The Female Angle. Today with me, I have a wildlife photographer, a landscape photographer, Miral Habib, everyone. Miral. Yuza. <laughs> how are you, Miral? I'm good, how are you? Yeah, that was a joke. Yuza. <laughs> creepy Casper voice. <laughs> Um, I'm doing really well. I really wanted you to come, um, but um, I think we had our podcast scheduled for pre- the previous week. But right, right. I am so happy that we finally got to make it. Yeah, me how's too. Your, how's your day been? Uh, my day just started like 10 <laughs> minutes ago. <laughs> Are you a coffee person or a chai person? Um, I've become a coffee person really? ever since I got a job, yeah. <laughs> Same, man. I, I, I started in A-levels and... After that, the caffeine just hit me badly. So, Miral, we will be talking about um, we will be talking about biodiversity and how. Let's start off with that. Yeah, why not? We talk. We'll talk about biodiversity and how the pandemic. Because you work in this sector, right? And I wanted to talk to someone who directly, um, you know, interacts with nature, like we all do, but mm-hmm. more closely and more consciously about how exactly has the pandemic directly like you know affected biodiversity and for you uh, for listeners who don't know what biodiversity is can you please also explain what that is okay so when you say biodiversity you're kind of referring to a large variety of plants animals different um things that make up um, a natural environment that usually uh, yeah that tends to <laughs> okay. um so biodiversity is a large variety of plants, animals, etc. that together make up um, a living ecosystem. Hmm. So biodiversity means that there's lots of different kinds. There's diversity. <laughs> um, so in my personal experience, well, I mean, the pandemic uprooted my life as it did with most people. Hmm. Um, at the time, I was just in beginning my last year of uh, uni. And um, I had to start filming my thesis because I was a film. I was studying film, All right. so I had to do um, a final project. And I was just starting to film it at the time. And then, in about the span of a week, um, everything just changed. And they told us, you know, go home if you can because the pandemic is beginning. So I got in a flight to Karachi. I came back. All of my plans for filming my thesis were just, you know, out the window. Oh. So I came back to Karachi and I had already been doing wildlife photography for a few years at that point, but I had no idea what I wanted to do for my thesis and I just found myself sitting at home, uh, not going anywhere, not doing anything. And I just you know, started spending a lot of time in my garden and on my terrace and I've been bird watching for a few years. Interesting. A very passionate bird watcher. Um, <laughs> And there's this tree in my backyard, which is actually a dead tree, but it's like, it's huge and loads of different kinds of birds live there and visit there. So um, I decided that my whole thesis was going to be about bird life. Um, So I was up every morning at like five in the morning for like three months. Um, Oh, wow. Five in the morning. I mean, I was... You're one of the rare ones. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I had nothing much else to do, so sometimes I was just still up at five. Oh, wow. Um, So I would just be on my terrace with my camera and tripod and just, like, observing these birds for so long to the point where I became, like, super acquainted with them. I knew 
um, where some of their nests were. I knew their timings. I knew when you know some of them had babies, where they were feeding them. Oh my god! What they were feeding them. So all these different things, and you know, I just was learning from observation. Huh. And um, yeah, so I filmed like I think fourteen or fifteen different species for my thesis. Mm-hmm. Um, the thesis in the end was. Um, a video installation because we had the option to do either a film or an installation. So I did a 12-channel installation. It's hard to describe what it actually looked like when it was done, but it was. It basically took place in this big tent, and I just had projections on all of the walls oh, and the I ceiling. I get what you mean. I get what you mean now. Yeah. Of like different birds. So on oh, the ceiling, I had like man. yeah. On the ceiling, I had like jeels like circling. Oh. And then on the walls, I had like all different kinds of bird species. I had some monitors as well, and then I designed a soundscape, so it sounded like yeah, my like, garden in Karachi. That's nice. Um, um, but you said that you were observing and watching these birds for a while, since you said you woke up at five yeah. for consistent, uh, like you know, weeks or months. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to ask, was there any spiritual attachment to that species? Because human beings, what ha- tends to happen is human beings are so egocentric, right? We think that we're on top of the food chain. And yeah, you know, we're the only ones in on the planet, so we can consume all we want. And we, as human beings, we tend to forget that, you know, like there are other species out there. And we can actually learn from them because the world is just as much as theirs as it is ours. So yeah. can you talk about that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I haven't uh, thought about it directly as a spiritual connection, but now that you say it, I guess there's no other way to describe it. Um, I have always felt like a special connection with animal life. Maybe it's because, um, you know, you can just watch them and they don't get weirded out by you watching them <laughs> like some humans might. I've always been like more of an observer in life, I feel right. like, than a, you know active participant at times yeah and so just I don't know hanging out with animals being near them Hmm. uh, observing them is just like very peaceful and like cathartic for me Hmm. Um, and they just have such like you know the instinctual kind of behavior just teaches you so much about yeah that it's not learned yeah instinctual and then you you can distinguish you know that okay a lot of the behaviors that we have right now adopted they're not that healthy maybe and we could probably go back to the basics and start from the basics you know how people pick up on toxic traits yeah i think animals can teach us you know those are toxic traits and they're not ingrained or instilled in our uh, but you said you're an observer um so i when i saw your profile right on instagram and you followed me back i was so happy because i was like (laughs) oh this cool person's following me back but um i wanted to ask you because we live in a pretty conservative society, right? Mm-hmm. And being a wildlife photographer, a landscape photographer, and making nature documentaries isn't a stereotypical uh, field to go in. Mm-hmm. So, A, how did you convince your family <laughs> that you want to pursue this? Uh, B, which is more important, how did you find out that this is one, what you want to do with your life? Um, so, <clears throat> I, like I said, have always been... Uh, interested in you know very just very passionate about animals in general but I never you know for probably many of the reasons that you just said like never really thought about making that into a career or anything like that Um, right before I went to uni I'd also started becoming very interested in film and particularly documentary film so I ended up 
going to school for that but you know almost as soon as i got to school just like little things were dragging me in this direction so you know there was no like zoology major or anything at mm. my school i wish there had been but there wasn't <laughs> um so i was volunteering at this farm sanctuary nearby um where they just had like rescued farm animals that were just you know at this like little ranch in the Sounds middle of like heaven man <laughs> in the middle of upstate new york and i would just go hang out like with the animals do some like random chores cleaning up barns and stuff yes um this is going on side sorry um <laughs> so uh that was one of the first times i started actually like photographing animals it wasn't wildlife at the time then i you know started watching all these animal related documentaries one of which was is called virunga it's um virunga it's okay. the most beautiful documentary i can't stress this enough really? i wrote <clears throat> i wrote like three entire essays about it what does virunga mean so virunga is the name of this national park in the congo okay um and it is also home to some of the world's last mountain gorillas Oh so yeah so this documentary is like beautifully shot the cinematography is amazing Aww. um <clears throat> and it's just following so you know that the congo is a country that's been like struggling with a lot mm. of civil war and a lot of other things for decades now and so um the film was kind of about the park rangers who are you know fighting um a war pretty much to protect these mountain gorillas and it's just like a very interesting dynamic of you know how it becomes necessary at some point for humans to put themselves in harm's way even to mm. protect something as important mm. as a mountain gorilla yeah. um so it was just very beautiful yeah. um, um so when you said mountain gorillas and how they were becoming extinct or rare yeah. i wanted to talk to you uh, about extinction in a more um, local context mm-hmm. so uh, you आप यहाँ पे भी फोटोग्राफ करती हैं आप ब्रिटिशर यू बिन टू रूरल एरियाज एंड अर्बन एरियाज में इतना नहीं होता होगा बट रूरल एरियाज इन लाइक यू नो अप स्टेट सो मुझे आपसे पूछना था कि हैज़ देर बिन अ पर्टिकुलर इंस्टेंस वेर यू सॉ लेट्स आई थिंक आई हर्ट द वाइट टाइगर वॉज गैरिंग मोर एक्सटेंट और वॉज देर समीन दैट यू सॉर यू वर लाइक ओके आई केम हेयर थ्री ईयर्स अगो एंड वॉज अ डिफरेंट सीन एंड नाउ दैर आई केम हेयर There's a different scene because there was a scuba diving instructor that I had, or who jate the Chennai Island scuba diving karne, and he used to be like, you know, you saw the 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 sheet uh, the the seaweed and the fish there, they were beautiful, mm-hmm. there were so many, and now that I go there, they're all gone. Yeah, so, so. I um, only started uh, exploring, adventuring locally in the past, you know, two-ish years because I've been in Karachi more. Huh. um but even places i do go there are like signs of life that used to exist there that doesn't anymore so my friends and i also you know in the winters like to go snorkeling around charna and mm-hmm. <coughs> bitkori vagera so um i remember the first time i went to bitkori um yeah. we were searching for you know some kind of life some something yeah. pretty to look at and what we found were a lot of dead corals um like they had bleached completely and it was just so sad <laughs> because there was no essentially no marine life uh, hmm. to be seen 
and it was just a bunch of bleached corals and of course that like i mean i know that that hasn't always been the case i know as recently as like 5 years ago that was a flourishing you know coral reef ecosystem yeah and it's just not anymore and um yeah i mean i already can say that i never got to see that you know how we yeah. talk about like our kids won't get to see certain things yeah. like i already have not gotten to see that oh <laughs> uh, i'm speaking about it cuz i'm someone who gets climate anxiety mm-hmm. and i get it really bad mm-hmm. to an extent where you know if my dad gets plastic gift bags i start screaming at him because i'm like Abba, i've told you a million times that i don't want and he just he to his naivety and he tries but like you know he's from a different generation and yeah. they're used to the plastic bag mm-hmm. consumption i think this generation is too to be honest but like like you know like i'm just like can you stop please you don't know how bad it is for the planet e and you know i i see karachi and you you see karachi mein there's landfills all, all over like residential areas and i get anxious man i get depressed mm-hmm. and it's sort of like a hopelessness right. sort of a situation um cuz it's not even like you can't avoid it like mm-hmm. you know it's right in your face and it's just it makes you so like you know anxious all the time right. so do you experience something similar i mean of course i think everyone in our generation to some extent is like very very fearful about the future hmm. um but this is something i actually wanted to talk about in terms of uh the last has it been like 2 years i guess during the pandemic it's almost been 2 years well um but so i mean for a lot of people of course the pandemic has been like deeply traumatizing people have gone through a lot of loss a lot of anxiety i was freaking out at the beginning of the pandemic um yeah cuz you were sent i yeah. i felt bad for people abroad <laughs> they were sent home like pack your bags and go home we are not yeah i was on the phone with my brother like a day before i had to fly back to karachi just like weeping on the phone <laughs> because you know i just had no idea what was about to happen and i feel like a lot of people went through that but as time went on um you know i i feel like i found a lot of hope in a lot of different things that were happening in the pandemic so um you know we wanted to talk about how it influenced people's um relationship with nature yeah so i found that um you know generally for a lot of people being stuck at home and a lot of like eating places and different you know other activities being closed people found themselves in parks more even on the street i remember like um in my neighborhood even for almost 6 months every single evening at like 6 pm the entire neighborhood was on the street with their dogs or their <laughs> grandparents or you know whoever um that was me <laughs> that was me as well <laughs> um and you know they were just taking walks and it's even something as simple as that like just going outside even just spending time with your own animals like mm. you know there's so many people there who i'm sure don't walk their dogs every single day mm. but okay so yeah i was talking about how um you know during the pandemic people started coming outside more almost out of necessity um and then you started seeing these like strange news articles that were like surfacing where um like i remember one very popular one was that dolphins and swans had returned to the canals in venice um ah. because of uh you know lockdown mm-hmm. and that wasn't true disclaimer <laughs> um that didn't happen 
But you know what did happen, and the reason I think why all these rumors started coming up was that you know the environment was getting yeah, more peaceful, it was this, getting cleaner. I saw these bunch of posts on Instagram uh, where there was lockdown and swans were walking, penguins were walking <laughs> on the street. So that that was so fascinating. Yeah. So I mean, some of those were exaggerated, and some of those were true. But what I can confirm actually did happen was. You know, of course, you have less cars on the street. You have less planes in the sky. There was less air pollution. There was less noise pollution. There just weren't a lot of people around. Um, there weren't as many boats in the ocean, so the water was clearer as well. So I think what was happening in Venice was that people were just seeing marine life that has always lived in those canals, but they were seeing it for the first time because the water was so clear, and so. You know there were these little things, and when people started sharing these like you know insane stories of like there was another one where there was a you know a picture of like two elephants passed out in a field, and the caption was that you know this is um, a rural area in China, and these elephants like wandered into like um, a vineyard and Obviously, like they got drunk off they, of grapes. <laughs> But you know that just showed me that people want to have this hope. That are people you know, want to reconnect with nature, exactly right? they like, want to and they want to believe that our natural world is like you know bouncing back and all of these yeah you know. especially in this hyper technological era where everyone's like distracted with you know the internet or exactly. technology I feel like we're slowly slowly losing hope and right. that connection with the inter uh, with nature right. and we need to you know rebuild it because nature is like. Like really, really important, yeah. and I'm saying really, really important <laughs> as I have my phone next to me. <laughs> no, so um, like this interest that people showed in you know wanting to believe that better things are coming because of the pandemic. Like, I my first thought was how do I capitalize on this? Like, how do I use this opportunity to you know bring people over to my side? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and like one of the ways, one of the random ways I thought of doing this. Um, Was you know there were a lot of these like challenges happening on Instagram where it was like like a push up challenge or a this or yeah, that yeah. you know, and so I decided to do a birding challenge because I feel like when people hear the word bird watching or birding, they tend to be like very put off by it because they're just like you know I've <laughs> even activity, yeah. <laughs> like I've even heard had people say to me like so you can't talk while you bird watching. <laughs> Like Pakistanis, <laughs> anything beyond eating, they're like, "Huh? तुम क्या मतलब आसमान को देखती हो क्या करती हो तुम मतलब?" Well, like yeah, pretty much that is what I do. Not so much the sky as like trees and bushes, <laughs> but like. Pakistanis are so insane. You would probably go as far as to say not all Pakistanis. I love Pakistanis, <laughs> but like some of them would go as far as to say that oh no, वो जो कुकुडू वाला बंदा है ना वो आसमान को दूध देखता है. समझ नहीं आता हमें क्या कर रहा है. Yeah, I'm that guy. <laughs> Um, It's good to be a little crazy. We yeah. need But I, so I started this birding challenge where I just like posted um, this random bird I saw on my Instagram story, and I like tagged a bunch of my friends, and I was like, "See a bird, like post a bird." So mm-hmm. they uh, people actually started doing this, and I made a few like random friends as well through that, and it was just like very special because people were. Inadvertently, almost bird watching. Beautiful. For an, but for an Instagram challenge. Created a challenge. mini bird community. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> virtual one. Um, go. And you know, even if like those people will never like actively go out in the with the intention of bird watching, they will like pay attention when they see a cool new bird around them yeah. or like a you know. And I had pe- like those same people 
like messaging me continuously sending me pictures of like a bird they saw being like what is this bird it's so cool <laughs> and you know it's it's like i think that it's something anyone could be interested in it's just like you know that mental block where it's like yeah i don't think i know anyone who hates birds or like animals in general people yeah. generally like spending time with animals it's just the opportunities right are slowly diminish- diminishing cuz like you know they're so distracted by everyday life there's too many alternatives yeah. of other things to yeah, do yeah it's like human beings i don't feel like we're innately bad creatures it's just yeah. that we need to start you know thinking out priorities right. and when i say human beings are not innately bad creatures what do you say about teenagers in our age cuz you know we have access Mm-hmm. who still continue to, you know how sometimes people say ignorance is a bliss yeah. who still continue to use like plastic bags and dispose them because i know people here in my uni um mm-hmm. not proud of it not all of them but they would they would eat like they would drink from their water bottle every other day and dispose of that plasticky bottle or like they would eat biryani and then dispose of it without really taking into account uh, the environmental implications because भाई किसी और की जनरेशन इफेक्ट नहीं हो रही आपकी जनरेशन इफेक्ट हो रही है और अभी से इफेक्ट होना शुरू हो गई है तो आई थिंक हाउ डू सो लाइक लाइक हाउ डू बिकम एक्टिव इन बिकॉज दैट मेक्स मी लाइक फील होपलेस बट ऑल्सो मोर एम्पावर्ड दैन एवर टू फाइट बैक I mean I think the that the reason behind that attitude I mean I've, and I've thought about this a lot is just because it's easier to not have to carry a tote bag or carry yeah, a metal plastic it's just easier to not have to change the lifestyle that you've been living your whole life and I feel like that's why you know people from older generations also sometimes find it hard to adapt to the new changes that mm. we make in the world um just because it's it's hard to change like behavior patterns that you've been you know accustomed taught to, and yeah. accustomed to for so many years like for some people it's for decades yeah because we grew up in a manufacturing factory industry right. just maybe we got chips in like a plastic wrap we right. didn't get right. to grow up in the like coca cola with glass bottles wali <laughs> i used to drink coke out of a plastic theli with a straw oh you're from <laughs> the same we're almost the same age so i know yeah. i know oh, did you get those um candy floss with the with the pakistani oh hell yeah <laughs> yeah. Oh memories. <laughs> But um yeah, well um another important point that I wanted to touch up on is while I'm talking about Pakistan Pakistan bad bad bad. Mm-hmm. I just want to say how the climate crisis is also racist. Mm-hmm. The waters can be racist. Um, right. And we don't talk about this. Uh but if you look at first world countries, mm-hmm. they have the enormous amount of wealth. Pakistan is still like a developing country. I don't say third world because that's a derogatory term, uh, right. but it's still a developing country. first world countries have the power to fix it mm-hmm. but what they tend to do is they make zara ki factory yahan pe they make so they dispose all the factory and all the landfill material here mm-hmm. and then the onus falls on us okay you know it's not like oh, our na- like you know our local factories aren't to blame for the crisis but majority of them like you know bangladesh mein chale jayenge india mein chale jayenge wo factories aur phir ye hota hai ke you know usually urban upper middle class like defense vagaira mein the water quality is going to be better Mm-hmm. Then in Lahore right. or in Makhrani ka coast area where you know like because okay some minister will come around and be like okay I'll plant more trees but the trees that will be planted is going to be in the same healthy area rather than the area that's already suffering rather than the area that's in landfills rather than people who've been drinking lead water people who've been contaminated with so many yeah. of these you know chemicals 
Yeah, so I think internationally, the unfortunate uh, situation is that the people who happen to contribute to the climate crisis the least are and will be the most disproportionately affected by it. Mm. And, you know, of course, that is something that needs to be fixed. And, uh, you know, I wish I had a solution to give you right (laughs) here. Because I was Um, asking you because you've lived in both countries, right? You lived in the West and then you've lived in Pakistan. So that proportionality and it's really unfair because the air quality there is better. Mm hmm. And the air quality here sucks. <laughs> Did you 